though. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Men for Life podcast, a a production of First Fisherman Media, and I'm here on um, this wonderful evening with my good friend and co-pilot in the Men for Life world, Pete DeMaio. Pete, hey, hey. hello. And we have two wonderful guests from Amnion Pregnancy Care Medical Center. We have both um, Melanie Becker and Melanie Winter. Correct. Hi. Welcome, Hello. ladies. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming us, down to the podcast studio. It was an exciting ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> it was an exciting ride. <laughs> so um, we're ha- we're excited to talk to the Melanies. We'll call you the Melanies um, about the, their work in the pregnancy care world and the different women that they work with in that and their experiences there. But before we do that. As usual, Pete will um, start us off in prayer. Pete usually has a prayer chosen for the uh, for the occasion, and so Pete, do you have anything? Because I put you on the spot now, man. You gotta like, you gotta have a prayer. So, Pete, take it away. Gosh, <laughs> you definitely put me on the spot. I wasn't ready this time. I'm always ready to talk. Um, I'll add a little reflection, if that's okay, and then we'll say a quick prayer together. Um, if we lack the confidence to preach Jesus Christ without hesitation or excuses to every generation, especially to the young, then the church is just another purveyor of ethical pieties the world doesn't need. So once again, if we lack the confidence to preach Jesus Christ without hesitation or excuses to every generation, especially to the young, then the church is just another purveyor of ethical pieties the world doesn't need. And that's from our own Archbishop Charles Chaput. He's strong, amazing nice. bi- uh, Archbishop. we got to get him on the show. Um, Mr. Chaput, um, Bishop Chaput? What do you say? Yeah. Is he Bishop Emeritus? Like, what do you say to it the... It would be Archbishop he... Chaput, or if you were addressing him um, proper, would be Your Excellency. Excellency. Okay, mm-hmm. Your Excellency, you are welcome, and we're going to send you some some socks, swag. The Pope John Paul life. II socks are on Pope the way, Pope John Paul II Chaput. socks. That's what we use to entice people <laughs> onto the show. It's their invitation. It's the, how uh, we got here. The yes. men <laughs> Ladies, yours are coming in the mail. The men we'll, for uh, life. Actually, we'll personally deliver them. To Pope John Paul II. Seconds. And I think this is very fitting because you two ladies are serving um, uh, women, which we're going to get into and we're going to discuss. Um, and you are definitely doing that. You're preaching the truth. You're doing it without hesitation. You're doing it, um, especially with the young, um, as you're working in your crisis pregnancies. And uh, it's, it's so needed. So um, let's just say a quick prayer together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Mary, thank you so much. God, uh, most importantly, God, thank you so much for for just inspiring these two ladies to do the wonderful work that they do. Uh, There are two Amnion Crisis Centers, one uh, on Garrett Road in Upper Darby, one out in Norristown. And the staff there does such an incredible job of trying to serve as many people in need as possible, especially um, primary focus on pregnant women and being there to help them and support them in this most critical time. So I just want to thank you for uh, for both Melanie's um, for all the work that they do. Um, please continue to um, to fill them up with the Holy Spirit so that they can be encouraged to continue to give to others each day. And um, we ask this always in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, um, ladies, for coming in. And the, the purpose of our show, the Men for Life show, is we're trying to speak to young men um, to create a culture of life. Because um, we believe that it's been, it's been sort of this issue, especially the abortion issue, has been kind of outsourced to women, essentially. My body, my choice. You don't have anything to do with this. And our belief on the show is that it takes two to tango. And so um, there's a huge amount that men can do. Um, we believe that they should be acting out the church's teaching of chastity before marriage um, and also to defend the unborn, the innocent. And so that's the role that we're talking to young men about. And I think it's going to be the one thing I'm really interested in. We're going to get into a lot of different things about your work. But the first is that I think it's really important for young men to understand the wreckage that they create when they have sex with women and impregnate them and sort of leave them to this world of, hey, you know, sorry about that or whatever. This kind of um, when we use each other for pleasure, what is the what is the. You guys see the fallout of that. And so I wonder if you could if you could describe what you see in the work that you do. Maybe you could first start out by just describing what the work is and then maybe a little bit about, you know, the particular pain that you see in the women that you work with. Um guess I'll start. Um, so I uh, am the Melanie who is the nurse and um, I do ultrasounds, pregnancy tests. So a lot of times I will see, um, I'll be the first one to see um, a woman when she comes in. And um, sometimes if we know the situation ahead, um, we will be together for that initial meeting. Um, or sometimes um, this Melanie, the counselor, will talk with them first. But um, it's just, uh, it's sad. There's a lot of hopelessness that we see, kind of like this is what women expect. They have no expectation for the men um, to help That's them. It's so sad. It, it is. And it's, I mean, we see that every day. We do. It's unfortunate because I'm a big advocate that the father of the baby has rights and should have a say in what happens because at the end of the day, it's still his child. But it gets a bad rap because men either, one, think they're so iced out because it's her body, her choice, so they don't have a say. And if they do speak up, or then they get backlash for that, or they just want nothing to do with it and leave her on her own. So it's really, I think men just have to be more educated and try to more understand the replications of what happens when you get a girl pregnant. And, Yeah. We could teach them. Yeah, if we could start back at that spot, it would be way better. Because if you know sex was created for a purpose, which wasn't just pleasure, then you know that, um, you know, fertility and bringing life into the world is the purpose, the main purpose for that. And by the way, uh, there's pleasure associated with it, but it's not it, – it, that perspective is completely backwards. I mean, it's like sex is for pleasure and you might get pregnant, but if you do, you know, you can have an abortion. So it's, that's that's the mentality. So it's become a kind of, in your experience, it's become a kind of backup contraception for these. It's, it is a way it's like birth control. That's just right. So yeah, backup birth control. So it's like, Oh, you know, I, well, we were, we usually use yeah. a birth control, but this one time, like we got a little over, uh, like ahead of our, we get a little over our skis, and we didn't. 
And uh, so, yeah, and it's also just lack of. So we like, just handle this this way because it's mm-hmm. like, of course, it only takes one time, and it's there's the mentality of it like it's not going to happen to me, and it will happen. Mm-hmm. And society teaches women and men that abortions are just so simple that there's no repercussions from it. That nowadays you could just take a pill at home. That that was recently on CBS Good Morning, and that it. That was on CBS. Good morning. The mm-hmm. interview that I Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, that's insane. You can just do it at home in your bathroom. That's we were talking no to the deal. Sisters that's of right, Life shit. about that today. Oh. Just mm-hmm. today, Sister Maeve. Well, thank you so much for com- coming on the show, Sister Maeve. But they were talking about because they deal with these women also um, in a in a let's say a, a companionship role, and they say that they have women coming to them decades after their abortion they mentioned a woman today who was 90 years old on her deathbed and she needed to get off her chest that she never told anybody that she had an abortion and she carried it her whole life as a secret a painful secret that she had that she couldn't allow herself to die without going to confession and saying like look i did this thing mm-hmm. I was outside a clinic once and a a woman, an old Romanian woman came up to me at like she was in her late 80s and she said, thank you for standing out here and taking all the hatred that these people are giving you because I was 19 years old and nobody told me that this would affect me after I had the abortion. It was they told me it would be okay, and it's never been okay. I never forgot that I did that to my child. And that's the and she was crying. You could just see it in her face. It was so poignant. No, because most of the interactions outside of abortion clinics are not like that. There's mostly just people giving you the bird and hmm. doing a bunch of craziness. Yeah. But um, when you see the pain crazy. in another human being's eyes, mm-hmm. it's real. And that's what we talked about earlier today with the sisters. I was being vulnerable, and a priest opened up to me completely. One of the purest fathers from Colombia, um, beautiful priest, absolutely beautiful, was teaching one of our sons, and he said, Pete, I had many abortions in Colombia, not personally. I mean that he impregnated, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I mean, obviously. And, yeah. and he said, one of them, I actually helped the whatever, the doctor or whatever. He said, so I directly, he said, it didn't even mean anything to me mm-hmm. until decades later when I'm discerning the priesthood. And as I'm in there, then it just crushed my heart. Like, you know, just crushed them mm-hmm. later. So for some people, it's going to show up immediately. For some, it won't show up until later. But either way, yeah, this pain that they're carrying is and, very and the real. world, <laughs> the world makes women believe that that pain is not supposed to exist. It's just easy. You move on with your life after you do it. So when women come a lot, and I ask them every time, like, how did you do after you had this you know, a lot of women have an abortion in their past who we see. And so I asked them how they handled it, how they're doing now. And sometimes they'll say, like, it's very hard. And sometimes they kind of don't. And then I say, you know, like a lot of women come here that are struggling with having an abortion in their past. And then they kind of open up because they think they're the only one because no one talks about it they think and it's normal to have an abortion so they feel embarrassed or shamed yeah like why am i having a hard time with this everybody else can just move on the sister said that earlier i forget it might have been sister Gemma because she worked in post-abortive healing for a few years but one of them said that earlier today they said society is teaching Mm -hmm. them that this isn't supposed to affect you so then when it is affecting them now they don't know what to do or how to process it because well i shouldn't be it must just be me. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. 
sadly, well, there's nobody on the other side helping these women when they're going through that emotion or trying to deal with it or process it even. It's just like, okay, well, you're done now. You did the right thing. Yeah. Go girl. Yeah. Girl yeah. power. Girl and power. Then shout, we, go shout your abortion. Your voice abort. was heard and we gave you your choice. Yeah. At that, when women come in and they're undecided, I always tell them, you know, wherever you go for that abortion, they're not, they don't even claim to support you in any of those emotional ways. They're there to provide a service for you and it's and make money procedure. from it. Yeah. And that when you are struggling afterwards, they're not there for you. They're not. Yeah. That's not their game plan. Even down to we're going to make a movie about this and put this on CBS. Yeah. That that mm. video you sent me, uh, what's her name again? Elizabeth actress? Banks. Yeah, that you I sent me. I will put that all over because that is a public figure who is extremely popular. Spreading well all kinds of misinformation. TV. She was the mom on Modern Family. Yeah. Yeah. So people listen to that and she's just What did like, she say? Oh, We'll dear send Lord. it to you. It was so ridiculously well, upsetting. She's talking about this new movie that came out. It's called Jane. Hey, Jane. Hey, Jane. About back in the day, the women um who would do like the illegal abortions and stuff they would help women they basically trained lay people to do abortions yeah so she was on there promoting the movie but of course the topic of rover suede comes up and she gives her opinion and she's just saying that you know sex is a reality people do it blah 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 okay granted and that a pregnancy why would you wait till you're married right but none of that like that's unrealistic that even waiting to marriage is even possible but um, if you get pregnant, I you should be able to have an abortion. And they actually said, Gail, what's Oprah's friend's name? Yeah, Gail. Um, whatever. You know who we're talking about, though. She actually said on there that it is like scraping out a pumpkin. Pumpkin seeds out mm-hmm. of a pumpkin. Well, that's she said in the movie they right. referenced it as being as easy as scraping pump. I don't know if she said as easy. I don't want to misquote Some, it. But. Right. I don't either. But unbelievable that was definitely said trisha told me the same thing i forwarded it to trisha and she said that was Mm -hmm. horrific and the thing is is... what what if you did have an abortion and you're watching that interview and you're traumatized i mean they're trying to like make you feel great like you can just have an abortion but what if you're the woman who had an abortion and is watching that and is feeling that pain inside Mm -hmm. listening to them talk about it so like cavalier Mm -hmm. Then you feel you're wrong for having that pain. Right. So and just in context, because Mm -hmm. I know we've politicized, you know, the the killing of unborn human beings. Mm -hmm. So I know that that's, you know, but if we look at it in some other context, maybe I've talked to a lot of war vets. You're going to tell a war vet how they should feel about the fact that they had to murder someone else or watched a friend of theirs, right, be murdered. And I'm now going to push onto that person who may be having severe PTSD, you know, immediately or later in their lives. And I'm going to tell them how they should feel about that. I mean, that is like Mm -hmm. it's the. It's like the opposite of what we should be doing if we actually truly cared about mental health physical well-being you know yeah i was going to say the stigma of mental health that's been the whole thing trauma never existed 30 years ago people denied that trauma was a thing or ptsd we're doing the same thing with ptsd from abortions Mm -hmm. or that it you're not they can't say that oh no but that it goes away or that it's not i have girls that are literally suffering now from depression can't get out of bed can't eat just and i'm worried like Where's that going to go? And to seek help, obviously. But that is horrible. And she didn't have to go through that. 
she didn't have to end up in that situation. If you are a woman and you're listening, um, because we're at a stage now where where we're like one in four or one in three people that you run into are post-abortive because of the number of abortions that are occurring, you know, throughout the world. There are two wonderful healing ministries. Well, three. I mean, the Sisters of Life that we were just talking with earlier today have an amazing healing ministry. Um, Project Rachel Mm -hmm. um, through the Catholic Church is another um, amazing healing ministry. Um, Rachel's Vineyard, who was actually started by a doctor. So um, again, I don't want to I don't want to misstate something that, um, but essentially, um, Dr. Teresa Burke was having these women come in, and as a doctor, she's having these conversations with them, similar to what you two are describing, and she realized that all these women that were struggling with these different things, whether it was like eating disorders or some sort of alcohol or drug abuse, promiscuity, you know, you name it, whatever their issues were. And then she realized that these were all post-abortive women. So then she started doing more research. Connecting and, the dots. Yep. Yeah. And as she, as a doctor, connected the dots. Hence, now we have mm-hmm. this wonderful healing ministry around the entire globe, Rachel's um, Vineyard. I know here uh, locally they'll run it at Our Lady of Chestahova and all that. So, yeah, you mm-hmm. ladies are right there on the front lines mm-hmm. dealing with this Um and we do have a, a post-abortion um, healing ministry at Amnion. It's called Surrendering. Mm. Well, then. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I think we might be transitioning right now. Yeah. Yeah. But we do offer services for women who for are struggling yourself. after abortion. It's wonderful. Yeah. The, the name of it might be changing. I think that's our But issue. you do have something there that's available. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. And we have somebody who, that's a fill- how what's that word? I can never say the word. Say like this. an affiliate organization? No. Oh. You know what I'm trying to say. Facilitates it. Oh, facilitates. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I told you, I don't know yeah. English. Yeah. Melanie, the, we got you. The don't women, worry. Got the women who facilitate it have both are both women who have been down the, that path personally. So it's it's not like you're going somewhere and someone's talking to you who doesn't who hasn't walked in your shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the circumstances are obviously probably different, but they they understand the pain. If I'm um, so to talk about different services that are available, I mean, you're literally right around the corner um, in Upper Darby on Garrett Road, um, right around the corner from Monsignor Bonner Prendergast High School um, and also Upper Darby High School. I would imagine that there's a lot of uh, young ladies in the area who can utilize Amnion for services and men because we offer um, STD testing as well. Perfect. So we have kids from the schools. That's, frequently that's what i was going to ask you is um just some of those basic things that anyone can come in and utilize you for so sdd testing mm-hmm. so i don't have to go to a planned parenthood which makes the majority of their revenue off of abortion services i can come to right and and, and all of our services are free so there's uh there aren't many places that offer std testing for free Mm-mm. um you know and our goal is especially well, with young people to connect with them and build a relationship, you know, and because I get a chance to talk to them about like what choices are you making and, and how old are the how old on the young side? How old are you seeing people coming in testing positive for a sexually transmitted 15. disease? Fifteen. That's really okay. Both. I mean, bo- I've seen people younger than fifteen, but on average, but that's what you're 15 seeing. Fifteen to seventeen. And on average, these people that are coming in. What is the breakdown, men, women, and also um, another question, but first, what is the breakdown? How many are men? How many are women on average? Would you say a 15-year-old uh, subset? Oh, well, I mean, I would just say high school age people, 
individuals, I would say, are eh, it's maybe like 60-40. We get a good number of guys that come So it's in. 60% women, yeah. 40% men. And the other question would be, do you ask them and do they tell you how many different sexual partners they've had in order to... We ask. Okay. I, I, we have a, a, you know, like a, a form they fill out, you know, how many new partners have you had in the last three months? How right. many in six months? they're in there for some... A year. Yeah. I mean, there's some numbers you don't want to... What are some? Give us a give us a slice of a an your your like a Tuesday fifteen year old walks in. How many sexual partners are you expecting them to have had by that point? At least three. At least you're by fifteen. Sexual partners talking about intercourse. We're talking Mm -hmm. about the full Monty. We're not talking about like I kissed him and like he might have. We're talking about yeah. I mean, I recently had a seventeen year old boy like this last recently and 10 partners in the last six months yeah i can tell you we had a conversation with Alyssa, who is our oldest daughter she's a freshman in high school now and trisha and i were um um we're having this conversation with her and she said mom dad you know how hard it is to be a child in our family like and and part of the reason is because they're around all of these other children. Mm-hmm. So like if we if our children were homeschooled, it'd be way easier. We could keep them in that that bubble that Mark was talking mm, about yeah, the other day, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um if you're at one of our Regina schools or something like that, you can keep them their innocence longer, you can maintain it longer, yeah. maintain the purity longer when they're out there in the in the regular public and it's it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and I was happy to hear her say that actually. It was such like an honest like is. this isn't easy to be us basically and i was like oh god bless you honey let's well let's just continue the <laughs> the fight March you know? on. <laughs> yeah, yeah what like, did you what did you say to that young boy when he yeah. came in and you and you found out that he had had in the last 6 months 10 different partners or is that more of a like a counselor question if it got to me but no melanie yeah. would handle that with the yeah STD i usually in the std testing sometimes i have sent people over to her if it's like <sighs> Um, but I talked to him about like, that's, you realize that's like a lot of partners to have. And you're, you know, I have like a little pamphlet, like when you're with that many people, you're exposing yourself to way more people than just those people, because essentially, you know, you're being exposed to Mm -hmm. all the people they've been exposed to. And, um, He's like, really? I get all kinds of responses when I say that. No, they kind of like usually like shake their head. And then like I've said, you know, like, is this something that is typical like for a six month period or and most people will say no. It's like, you know, something crazy happened or whatever. But um, he was really sad. I mean, it was like I could tell he was very low and um so he was regretting having done it, or is it he no, was like he's like, gosh, I didn't expect to get this disease, well, and now I'm like bummed out that I have the disease. But no, like, his was I felt like a hopelessness. Actually, I was like, this would be so good if Pete was here to talk to him. <laughs> I actually nice. thought that. Oh, thanks, Pete would have done it too. You should have called him up. Should have called Pete up. Pete would have. Pete would have done it. Pete would totally done it. There's hopelessness. Like I, I just don't think people have an expectation that things could be different like that there is a different way 
you know, to do life. And I always ask them, do you want me to pray with you before you go? Which some people think is funny when they're there for STD testing. Mm. But um, actually, when I started working there, I would only pray with the pregnant women. And then I was like, wait a second. Like, they all need everybody could yeah. use a prayer. I so then I started so awesome. doing it. And unfortunately, he said no. But um, uh, he said no, but thank you for offering. So that was nice. But um, I'd say eight, nine out of ten people say yes. So nice that you're doing that. Yeah. And just for a little, um, for listeners, uh, Melanie, by the way, is um, Catholic, um, wife and mother uh, in the area. and she, Melanie uh, Winter. Uh, Melanie yes. Winter, yes. and uh, There's two Melanies. Three children. Five total. I have two stepchildren and three, yeah. Three little ones. They're the ones yeah. that I yeah. yeah. And um, which I got to see them the other night getting haircuts uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next door to the office. Um, but um, but I also wanted to say something special about you, Melanie. Is Melanie's a nurse practitioner, had a job in the hospital and was making more money and had to walk away from that um, because of it. Um, uh, just well, if you want to describe, you're more than welcome yeah. to. But I, I applaud you. I mean, you are the work you're doing is wonderful, and you don't have to be doing it. You're doing it truly as a labor of love and out of choice because you truly want to make a difference in the lives of, of these people and especially young people. So hence why you're praying with them, you know, when they yeah. come in to see you. Yeah, so. it's really cool. But, yes, I did decide to leave my job. Um, I didn't feel like I had a choice in it because I felt like, all of a sudden, in literally a moment, um, I just knew I had to quit that job. Um, Are you allowed to say why? I, For other Catholic medical professionals or even just yeah, Christian I, medical professionals? And I did convert to Catholicism while I was a women's health nurse practitioner. And um, so some things just didn't start clicking to me in my heart, I guess, <laughs> whether they did in my head. I, don't, I got some reassurance that what I was doing was okay. And... I kind of just didn't process it completely until until it did click. And um, literally, like, one day I was fine at work, and the next day I was like, I got to quit. And um, I couldn't quit immediately because I had to find another job. But um, What yeah. was it that ultimately made oh. you quit? I know it's a little personal. Right. No, um, it's if okay. If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what I was reading, but I was reading an article, and it was about abortion, which— you know, I wasn't doing or participating in at my job, but um, I was providing birth control to women. And I felt like it, I can't remember what it was in that article, but it was something in that moment. Just, I just knew I have to quit my job because of what I was doing, um, participating in. I didn't want to participate in being the person prescribing that. And I mean, I was placing IUDs and doing all kinds of like birth control related procedures and whatnot, but mm. yeah, so. So for other Catholic medical professionals that might be listening, you don't have to do this and you don't have to allow them to to make it normal for you if you feel something in your heart or in your conscience. Um, a wonderful um, place for you to seek for more information would be the Gianna Center, mm -hmm. where you can speak to people like Dr. Delia or Barbara Rose, and you can seek out, and Dr. Delia is an OBGYN. Um, uh, Andrew and I even had the privilege of being with a young woman who's in medical school right now and is at the cathedral in our um, 
Christian, she's a sponsor, but in the Christian initiation program. And she had, you know, and of course she's fearing for her grade while she's in medical school, but she had to draw the line and tell them, you know, these, I cannot participate in these things. Um, you know, I'm yeah. Catholic. And so God bless you, Melanie. It's wonderful. You know, there's a group called um, the American Academy of Pro-Life OBGYNs which um, maybe she should look into because they will give you a mentor who's already a, you know, an OBGYN provider who um, can help guide you through medical school when you're facing those um, like ethical questions and things that you might wonder if they're actually true or. Yes, because I've heard from Trisha, my own wife who um, worked in nursing and went back for her nurse practitioner and, and what we've uncovered and is that there's a difference between bioethics and Catholic bioethics. <laughs> and that would be accurate. Yes. So we don't need to allow ourselves to be sucked into or duped into, you know, just regular bioethics, you know, in that type of medical. Um, so other Melanie, you are working as a counselor at Amnion. So are you um were you do you, is that your education, certification, background? Like what's your because I don't know you as well as this, Melanie. Well, I actually, um, at the time, I owned my own pickle business. And What was it called? Sills Pickle Patch. <laughs> yep. We, we love had pickles. 19 different mm-hmm. flavors. My really? son already I asked for, Luke crazy. already asked for pickles for Christmas. I love her. pickles. That's why I asked. Like garlic pickles to peach tea pickles. So kind of crazy. But anywho... Uh, a woman reached out to me. I've always obviously been on my soapbox and been pro-life, but um, a woman had reached out to me that her child's babysitter was pregnant and wanted to have an abortion, and she wanted to know, what can I do? How can I help her? Blah, blah, blah. So, of course, I said this, do this. I prayed and tried to talk to her, but uh, then eventually later on when I followed up with her, I remembered she said to me, now this is the woman who reached out to me. I said, so how did it go? Like, um, with so-and-so, and she said, what do you expect her to do? She's only 18 years old. She already has a child. She's not with the father. What choice does she have? And I felt, like, hopeless and helpless in that moment. Like, there wasn't anything else I could do, and I didn't know what else to do. And I remember um, my grandparents and my mom, they're buried at St. Peter and Paul Cemetery, mm-hmm. and across from where they're buried is where the babies and children and young babies are buried. And when I was little and my mom, we would go visit the graves, I would take any like little pumpkins if it was like Halloween or whatever for and put at the grave sites that had nothing at them. So I had was very familiar with that area. So I found myself, I drove over there and I'm just looking and I'm, I'm sad and I'm upset. And I'm like, these families had to bury their children, not by choice. But here this girl and millions of other women are doing the thing exact same thing by choice they're choosing to do this and I just I had a very deep conversation with the Lord and I got out my phone and I googled and I called the I talked to Michael at the Pennsylvania Federation of Pro-Life Michael Gear yes Michael Gear PA Family Institute Yes. Pete knows everybody. Pete knows everybody. I love it. You can like play a game with him. You like who does do you know this person in the pro life pro life trivia? (laughs) Pete would win. Do you know what year was exactly? Michael's great. He's doing a lot of good work. Yeah. Yeah. So he talked to me for a really long time, and I ended up going on his website. I found 
He said to start off by volunteering at a pregnancy center. So I went on his website. Amnion Pregnancy Center was there. And I caught it. And it, was day that, it was the day that Abby Johnson was in Philadelphia. And um, when I called Amnion, somebody on the other line goes, Hi, thank you for calling Amnion. This is Melanie speaking. And I'm like, what? Wait, I'm Melanie. And I was so confused. I've never met another Melanie. And here. And it, it was, wasn't me. It was the third, the Melanie. third Melanie. It was our director, <laughs> Mystery Melanie. Parks. Yeah. So. Um, we she, have to meet you too, third Melanie. Yes, you must. <laughs> she is. She's a rock star. And she just told me today, I was telling her about that because I was reading my text from Michael. And she said, she's like, I remember hanging up and being like, that was a fun conversation. I was like, oh, if little did you know how fun I would be. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I started volunteering at Amion, and now I'm the client advocate coordinator. So I've been there four years. I was going to say that was a few years ago when yeah. Abby came to Philadelphia. So do you, mm-hmm. you do you actually do counseling still, I or you arrange now. the counseling for the people that if come in? If it goes beyond, we do peer counseling, we do option counseling, and then we have an educational program, and it's called Earn While You Learn. And it's videos that they can watch, and there's like worksheets. It's about seven to ten questions. And the clients can watch the videos in the office, or they can take them, or like send, you know, now everything's digital send it on a text phone or on a text and as they complete the lessons they earn baby bucks it's like monopoly money mm-hmm. and then they get to shop in the baby boutique and we have everything from diapers wipes clothes uh, maternity clothes baby tubs baby wash formula f- baby food it's, just, it's what it is a baby it's, boutique it's a baby everything boutique. baby and anything you can imagine and the lessons are designed it helps from especially for first-time moms, it's great, who have never been through it. But I always tell them, every pregnancy is different, every baby's different. Your body's different now, you know. So it helps, starts with the first trimester, all the way up to, through labor, delivery, breastfeeding. Then it has relationships and how to save money for a job, for, um, I mean, save money for a car, find a job, and then even Bible studies. So essentially, if I'm hearing this correctly, for is mm-hmm. you're literally life coaching them. Yeah, I mean, essentially. But instead of asking mm-hmm. them for money, you're paying them in mom bucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just yeah. simply for the baby boutique, mm-hmm. just simply because so that they can be more educated about their pregnancy, mm-hmm. about their relationships, and about ha- how to handle um, being a mom post-delivery, 100%. correct? Yeah. Do you have uh, children yourself? I do not. I mm. pray every day, hello, remember me, God. <laughs> It's all in his time. I didn't him. put you on my prayer list yet, Melanie. Just wait. Oh, oh, oh boy. I'm opening my mother. door tomorrow. And... <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting sort of vocation mm-hmm. that you have, right? This, um, I'm curious. The, the question that came to my mind while you were speaking was, you've obviously had a chance to counsel a lot of young women. Mm-hmm. What do you think that they're, if you could see a, a thread running through everybody that you've spoken with, what do you, is there is there one thing that they're all missing in their lives that you would say that you've seen? Maybe not. It doesn't have to be. But I'm just curious. Is there like what are the, what are you seeing as a trend? What is the thing? Like, gosh, if every everybody's just like coming in here and they. I was just thinking that Andrew. Like, what's yeah. the pattern with all of these people? Right. I can't yeah. say something that's necessary. Well, they're all there's some level of fear mm-hmm. in all, and that's across the board. Whether it's fear of how they're going to do this. They could be in the most stableist relationship and they could be 
a very faithful person and have a relationship with God, there's still a level of fear. Mm. But then there's also the woman who isn't sure who the father is or barely knows the father and doesn't have a place to live. So there's all different levels of it. But I would say definitely fear is the common denominator between all of them. And what is your, in general, what, what is your strategy when you're going in to speak to one of these young women? What, how do you how do you think about it and what do you what do you try to bring to them? Well, I always first off start obviously with prayer because I am just the vessel. God, use me. Holy Spirit, come upon me. Give me the words, the wisdom and the knowledge of what to say, what not to say. Because number one, we don't we want to lead with compassion. We don't want to show judgment because you're going to lose them. You were there for them. They are alone. This is you might be the only person and the first person that they even have told they're pregnant. So you have to be comfort and be there for them. So if they are abortion-minded or vulnerable, a lot of times after Mel, if I do get the opportunity, I might talk to them before. I might chaperone in the ultrasound. But typically, Mel starts it off, and she does great. She asks them questions. She explains what the abortion is. Sometimes we really do enjoy when we get to do it together because it's like a team. So that way we kind of bounce off of each other and you could just feel like God is in the room, you know. But with options counseling, you have three options, abortion, adoption, and then parent. So we discuss all those three different options. Why do you think that abortion is your only option? Because Mel and I were talking earlier today about choices. That's all we ever hear about. Pro-choice, pro-choice, they should have a choice. Well, We've already talked about how the choice should be prior to getting pregnant. But okay, here we are. You do have choices. But women think that abortion is their only choice. They don't realize that they're, they're afraid to tell their parents, okay, let's talk about that. Parents are going to flip out. They're going to be disappointed, upset. Give them 24, 48 hours. They're going to come around. You don't have a place to live. Guess what? We can help you with that. You don't have insurance. Look how easy it Let's go on here and apply for it. There is other choices. They have tons of choices. And they don't have to feel like abortion is their only one. So I start off, go through all that, find out what they're, what's holding them back, and then work from there. You're giving them real alternatives and real options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is so gifted. I mean, I can't even handle it. Yeah. It's like, like I can... When we had um, somebody come in recently, and it was a, like a family there, and this mom was saying that her daughter had a choice, but was in like pretty much saying, like, you have to have an abortion. Um, and this poor girl, anyway, the mom got very heated, and we were all in our, like, we call it the big room, um, multi-purpose room. Mm. So... Uh, Anyway, when we are doing things together and there's multiple people, that's the best place to talk. But this mom was like, I mean, she was like, her blood pressure was definitely rising. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like getting stressed. And she gets up and says, come on, you're coming with me. She tells the mom, like, we're leaving. We're, they, she takes the mom to her office and is gone for like 20 minutes. I don't and I'm like, and this this girl, this young girl who's 18, she asked me can we go listen to the heartbeat again broke my heart so i take her we go do the ultrasound again but she comes the mom comes out a completely changed person like 
What's going on? I don't on? know. That was the Lord. Um, I mean, I was like, what just went on in there? Because she was she was off the grid, that mom, and um, really passionate about her daughter not having this baby. And when she came out, I, it, anyway, it was just one of those moments. Like, I texted our director and was like, Melanie Becker is very gifted at her job <laughs> because it was just – it is, and it's God. Like when you're doing the thing that you feel like God made you to do, or like you're serving the purpose that you know you're supposed to be. I mean, you just stuff like that happens. I'm sure you guys feel it when you're on the radio or you're yeah. on your podcast or anything that you do in your daily life. That fire that burns inside, that passion. That's when you know you feel it. You're the doing Holy Spirit's upon you. You're doing you. the thing. Yeah, you were pointing up before, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, and we know. Yep, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit yep. putting you there. You know, using us as an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, Andrew. No, I didn't. Did I you? didn't have a question. Can oh, I oh, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, out. buddy. I, can I add something to when yes. when you asked what is the thread that we see? Something that came into my mind was no self love. Like mm-hmm. um, these That's women what the sisters say. have mm-hmm. no always a lack of love. Like they just don't deserve any better. Like they don't expect anyone to be. I, I mean, we had someone who was considering having an abortion because the father of her baby, she had a child with this guy. Now she's pregnant again, and she's considering an abortion because in our conversation, she told me he is about to have another baby due with another mom. And he can't have like another one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, "Sorry, it's like, gonna hurt his game." You um, need to protect your baby right now. Like what he's doing is his thing, and that's his deal. But like, this is your baby. I'm not gonna let him decide. It's what the sisters were saying. Like you said, Andrew, is that um, it's very, very unfortunate for them. A lot of times, more often than not, the man isn't around, and and, and many often. Uh, times they're pressuring them to go get the abortion mm-hmm. and but they said to to let the women know that that God created this new life specifically it wasn't an accident specifically mm-hmm. for that mom and that that mom is loved and that she's capable of doing this and that this new baby is actually going to open up um uh, just open up this new part of her heart, basically, um, that doesn't even exist right now, but will after this new life is in the world. So they, you know, and they were just going on to describe that as opposed to the opposite, you know, of that choice is when they terminate that life, you know, and end that life, none of that grace, none of that goodness, none of that, like everything that God was going to use that, that baby for, none of that is going to happen for the mom or for the baby, obviously. And, um, Oh, it's such a, it's, and now here we are, we're hearing you two ladies describe the same exact thing that the sisters were describing, you know, and you see it also, obviously, in your, you know, in your daily work and in your world, it's. I always tell clients when they're um, trying to decide between that and they're trying, they're saying they're alone, they can't do this or they don't have anybody. I always tell them that that's your child, though, that's a part of you and that that child's going to love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. You will have that love that you don't have right now, that you don't feel. I don't know. Yeah, and they can. They thing. tend to, you know, a lot of women associate the baby like, 
I don't even, you know, really want to be with this guy. Well, like, I wish you would have thought of that actually earlier. But anyway, um, <laughs> again, here we are. But it's it's like um, that baby is also, it's part of you. And it's part of him, to, yes, which, you know, for whatever that's worth in your mind. But, like, that's your baby. Like Now, the sexual revolution was <sighs> supposed to be liberating. Right. Mm -hmm. The message of the sexual revolution was that we can have sex with whom anybody. Exactly. So and and the thought process there was was the generation before us has been trapped and they don't have freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to get married in order to have sex and you have to get married in order to have children and you have to stay with one person for the rest of your life. So on the surface, you can see how this was attractive to people in mm -hmm. the 60s. And it's like, ah, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> You're telling me I can like hang out in my van, smoke weed, listen to like <laughs> Janis Joplin. And like then we can shack up in the back of my, you know, my happy van over here. So you can. Everything I ever wanted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh. And then if I want to put a new chick in the back of my van tomorrow night and the night out that's all okay yeah. so you can he mm -hmm. see like on the surface how you know there's no repercussions right yeah. but my goodness here we are 60 years later and it's mm -hmm. like for anyone who's listening especially you know our young people can you see how damaging this is to relationship society when we're oh. all of this sexual activity with each other whether we're talking about stds or whether we're talking about what you just described melanie where uh, this one's pregnant, but because the other one's pregnant, I don't, you know, he's not in the picture. It's and so strange. It's such a strange thing because what's strange to me, at least, is it's not that, strange to them. That's what's no, that's what I mean. But it, it, you, like if you told them about the church's teaching on sexuality and what it's for and what, um, they would think it's a crazy. They would be like, what? That sounds like some weird world from the like other that. world. I say, like, my opinion isn't very popular right now, but, right. you know, it's the truth. And, and, but yet if you look at, if you look objectively at this world, the results that you guys live with every day, so isn't clear. that obviously insane? So isn't it obviously, I mean, what more obvious, like just... It, people don't even that's the thing it's it's people don't even see it that's what's odd like this is all kind of happening on the the secret like you get to see the inside of this game of what's going on out there and most people don't like it's pete's saying like we were like through one out of four people that you talk to one out of three has gone through this and yet nobody really talks about it i i one of the reasons I came to the Catholic faith was because of the pro-life position, because nobody else talks about the pro-life. The Jews don't care. You don't see, like, Muslims or, or you don't see the, the Buddhists burning themselves outside of, uh, of yeah. clinics, right? Like, the yoga people, you can't eat the animals, but, like, if you want to kill as many babies as you want to kill, like, that's cool. Just don't, you know, don't hurt Bambi. Um, but, or so, the tree. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a but, bush over there that has tremendous value, but not the future human. <laughs> but it's like it's this Sorry undercurrent. Mockery, it's this undercurrent. This corrode. It's corroding the culture, and yet it's like it's stuffed mm -hmm. down. Nobody, you guys see it, but most people don't see it. And when I started talking to people about this and being like, "Did you realize we're like killing a lot of babies?" People start getting so angry because there's so much hurt going on from this. And it's so rampant and you just don't hear about it. And yet at the same time, if you tell people, well, there's this other model, like intellectually, theologically, philosophically about how to do this. Um, 
that makes maybe more sense because you're try you went this other route and look what's happening. You're 17, you've had 10 partners and you've got some crazy stuff happening on your junk and like, you know, what I mean? like like things are bad. Like isn't this right? Oh no, no, it's not a problem. Don't pray for me. Like I'm good. Like I'm I'm normal. good to go. Is, yeah, this is normal. I had a it was like a, I had a I had a it was a, you know, okay, I had a couple of bad months, but so I'm I'm just curious um it's barbaric to think. Of yeah, that. and and I'm curious how do you do you ever? I don't. I don't. I don't know your history. I know you're Catholic. You just talked about that, but I, I know your history with it is is a little different. Um, but do you say to people, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing this"? Yes, I do. If you're not married, and there's and not be and not just because the church mm-hmm. tells you that, but it makes sense not to right. do it. Yeah, like you yeah, wouldn't well, be in this trouble if you didn't. I Correct. say I talk about like, you know. Um, abstinence isn't very popular right now not many people are practicing it it is the only way to protect your body and your heart and that's how i say like Mm. your heart like you see all this turmoil that this causes especially you know well i you see it more with women because they're more they're talking more about the emotional parts of it but um men agree with me too when i say that and you know what's interesting on our form of risk factors there are these yes or no questions, and it's like, I think sex before marriage is okay, and you circle yes or no. I wish I would have waited till I was married, yes <laughs> yeah. or no. I wish I, um, or I forget what all of them are, but I, when I first started working there, I was astounded by the number of people who write, I wish I waited till I was married to have sex. And then, um, like, the, the one that stuck in my head said she became sexually active at 13, she circled, yes, I wish I was waited till I was married. And she at that point told me she, she was like 18 and she had had 20 partners is what she listed. And she just couldn't see a way out of it. It's like once she went down that path, she couldn't. And it's it's the accepted norm around mm-hmm. you. It means nothing. So it's not anything. To and have me sex. sitting it's there is like, like it's easy to say. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's this beautiful concept out there. And um, so, if you've never heard of it before, it would be called it would be called renewed virginity. Mm-hmm. So, for any anyone who's out there that hasn't heard you know that hasn't heard this concept before, we te- um, Trisha and I teach marriage prep for the Joy Filled Marriage mm-hmm. Program, and it's something that we even discuss with the engaged couples, which is wherever you you know some of you you very small percentage were saving themselves for marriage, but, you know, most of, you know, most of us were not. And so even if you've been sexually active up until this point of you had, you know, all these, these partners or whatever, you can change that right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes, what's interesting moment. is the people who have, the ones who don't, you just continue down that same rabbit hole, obviously, and it never gets better because that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and expecting something different. Right. Right. But the people who have done this, and I know Trish and I had even done this to you know to some degree in our marriage. What you see from that is just again, it's the it's the grace that it's just grace from God. Mm-hmm. So no matter who you are right now, if you're the 18 year old girl who started at 13 and has 20 partners, or if you're coming off of whatever bad relationship, you know, d- divorced, whatever the case is. This renewed virginity is something that you can take to your heart right now, mm-hmm. that you can take to prayer, and you would be amazed what happens because of that, and you deserve it. 
you deserve more. Like you were saying, they don't even think that they deserve that, more. And I right? try. I try. <laughs> that's another thing I try to say. Like you deserve better. So many of them write on there. It's like, are, is your partner? Um, are you? Do you have other partners? Yes, no, or whatever. And then the others. Does your partner have other partners? Yes, no, unsure. Almost everybody writes unsure because yeah. you just can't be sure. There's no trust. Yeah, but literally. Amnion does also have a program called Real Ed, and it's a team that goes into the schools and they teach about healthy relationships. They don't teach about safe sex. It's about healthy relationships, how to love yourself, respect yourself, and have relationships that don't involve that and, you know, ultimately to save yourself, but it's not as blunt as that. But Do you guys have any, um, is there a trend, I mean, this might relate to the type of center that you work at, but is there a socioeconomic level of this like there's a bunch because it you would think that i mean because the numbers sociologically are that people that are wealthy typically don't get in this kind of trouble um in general that like for example like rich people are typically still getting married staying married having kids in general i'm not i'm I'm not sure if this is what you're seeing but i'm saying like the overall numbers and it's really people that don't have the economic resources which is like Especially upsetting because all of this liberation ideology came from the sort of colleges and the sort of intellectual class of people, mm-hmm. which they were sort of they could play with it a little bit and then, you know, and end up getting married and settling down and whatever. But it, as it filtered down to people that don't have those resources, that don't have that education, that don't have that job, it's an absolute nightmare in their lives. Yeah, if you're Madonna, you can have 15, you know, husbands and 10 kids, whatever you want to do, right. because you have a whole team of people to help you. But if you're poor and you live in Fishtown or, you know, on the outskirts of North Philly or whatever, it's just not the same thing. So I'm just curious, does, is there any kind of trend socio socioeconomically of people that you see coming to you? I mean, absolutely for, especially like material assistance and such, but as a whole, as being abortion vulnerable, I mean, yes, by default, just because of where we're located, but we definitely, I think, have and our services are free, which draws right. a lot of people. Right, who so that's why it's a little insurance. skewed. Right. Yeah, it's but a we skewed. still have people, especially that don't even live in the area. If you, you know, you know, they live maybe on the main line or something. Right, they don't want to go. They nearby. don't want their parents right. to know. Mm-hmm. Like because we're a free service, we get people who and they don't. They don't want to use insurance. insurance. You know, they right? Don't want so they could be a rich girl, but yeah. she doesn't. She lives on. The, she lives in Ardmore, but yeah. she wants to come in. To do this and, like on the sly, right? Yes. To keep it, yeah. yeah. So you don't see any trends that way, or, or... and we definitely service a lower right. income, but again, it's because our services are free where we're located. I can't say. Because they don't have a lot of money, they're they're more likely to get pregnant if that's where you know not necessarily. But to seek our help, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but we definitely I have at least counseling clients that are all over. You know what we've talked about is we said for people who are abortion minded and either think that it's okay or out of fear, mm-hmm. you know, choose to go ahead with the abortion. You know, we say these are not the people that are going to find contraceptives morally objectionable Um, because if you're okay with killing your own baby, then there's a good chance that you don't care if you use a contraceptive. But yet they don't. (laughs) No. Yet they don't. So, you know, I have um, uh, Debbie, a good friend of mine, who will say that to me often, and she knows, obviously, Mm -hmm. that I think that contraceptives are, you know, a grave moral evil and that this is actually what launched all of this during, you know, um, the birth of the contraceptive pill and all that. And we have plenty of, you know, data to support that. But she says that and I say, yes, Debbie, I don't disagree with you at all because 
if you don't find killing another human being morally objectionable, then why aren't you just simply using contraceptives to keep yourself out of harm's way when it comes to right. getting pregnant? And and we even have an organization called Planned Parenthood who has money just pouring into them from a political party, from people like Bezos' wife dumping $275 million at the door, <laughs> and they're handing out these contraceptives for free, um, and... And it's still not working. The people aren't taking them. Yeah, they're not yeah. taking them. I mean, them. I, that's another question, uh, you know, on our paper. Like, what, are you using any kind of contraception? I mean, almost always it's none. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pete was listening to this woman um, in his car today, Mary Eberstadt, and she has an interesting thought experiment where she says, you know, because she's like my age, like, which is, I'm 49. She's probably a little, maybe a little older, maybe around the same age. And she said, you know, when I was a kid, smoking was everywhere. Mm-hmm. You could smoke on planes. Mm-hmm. You could smoke, you could walk in your doctor's in office, smoke. Yeah. You could smoke in the hospital. It, so if you had taken a pin in time and put it there, you would think, like, say, 1981, you would think smoking is going to be around forever. Like it's just destined. It's it's inevitable. It's right, Hospitals, airplanes. And yet today, <laughs> it's odd when you go into an airplane and they even tell you not to smoke. It's like you thought we could smoke. Like, I mean, who who's even like yeah. they There's even little cigarette. Right, exactly. It's like who there? thinks it's like that's like we're still. You still want me to take off my shoes because some dude in. 2001 flew into a building like we're still going to do that okay fair enough you know what i mean so but my question was is she was saying so she was making the comparison that when the pain of this sexual freedom quote unquote comes is hitting home with these young people we might couldn't we see the same kind of reaction couldn't we see like hey this just doesn't work like why did cigarettes went away because people found out that they weren't good for you it's not worth the the cost benefit even though they feel really good, the cost-benefit of cigarettes was just terrible. So do you guys see that – is that a, is is there any hope there that you think from what you're seeing that people are saying like, you know what, 17 partners are in, in six months? Okay, I, this is just not working. Or are people just so scrambled in their brains that they're you're going to see them again in six months? Like it's just like, oh, I, I, again, I don't know what happened. Like this time it didn't yeah, – it also worked – it also didn't work again. <laughs> I yeah no go ahead ladies (laughs) maybe I'm hopeful of this but I do see now obviously we are I think we're in the age of acceptance where we're to accept everything no matter what what you look like what you want to wear who you want to be and identify as so that comes with how much sex and who you have it with it's all about acceptance so you can do what you want so there's that to where I, I feel hopeless but then I look at the other side and I do see young adults that are taking responsibility, who are recognizing the value of marriage and who they are and self-love and being able to protect themselves and not wanting to end up in a situation. Or if they have faith, if they're strong in their faith, they're not going to do that Yeah, amen. because they're following God. Yeah, and, and it's the religious beautiful. orders that are the most serious that are growing. Interestingly, like so yes. in the Jew, in our, in your, you grew up Jewish, or you were born Jewish. I was born Jewish. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So like the Orthodox mm-hmm. and the Hasidic, those guys are like growing huge because they offer this. They offer an alternative, and in the Catholic faith, it's the serious sort of traditional Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
por- parts, let's say the traditional Latin mass communities, things like that, that are growing at, at, a, at a huge rate. And I think part of it is because they really offer an alternative view. It's not just like, okay, we're going to make the church just like the culture. It's like, well, then why am I going to go to the church? I can watch right. CNN. If you're going to tell me what, you know, if it's just going to, why do I need to go to the church? Yeah, if the priest is going to tell me the same mm-hmm. thing that exactly. this if woman's it's... name on, on CBS uh, today. The, Elizabeth the, Banks. Yeah, if you're going to tell me the same thing Elizabeth Banks just told me or tell me that it's all right. okay, I don't even need to bother coming Why do I, why am I going to waste my, why am I going to get so in like, my Sunday back? Take abortion like, pill, Netflix, and chill now. It's like, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's in, um, oh gosh, you guys, uh. You stir up so many thoughts in me. That CD, by the way, that I was listening to, excellent, is um, Was the Sexual Revolution Good for Women? Mm. Did you watch that DVD Question I gave you? Mark. It was um, The Pope, The Pill, and The Sexual Revolution. No. Oh, my gosh, Melanie. It's still sitting with the books next <laughs> to our counter. Watch. I have to pop it in because— It's that... probably the same people, I think. It's the same— same, uh, you know. If oh, first theory. off, she says something which is interesting. It's very, very telling for all of us as Christians. I mean, Christians, look, we're like there's almost two billion of us around the entire globe. Two billion of us. Mm-hmm. How many of us are actually living it? It, it, they, she says that back in the whatever, 15 or 1600, 1600s, I guess, that the, the things that, you know, like Calvin said and Martin Luther said about, um, you know, about this very issue makes Humanae Vitae, the church encyclical from 1968, seem like team, like it was like, you know, <laughs> like oh, not. Yeah. That's how strong it was for Christians for us to live a certain way. And mm-hmm. so I would ask anyone who's listening, like, have you picked up that encyclical? If you're Christian and you're married, have you picked up Costi Canubii from the, I think it's 1930s? Have you picked that up? Then how can we say we're living as a Christian marriage, if we haven't even read what the bar for Christian marriage looks like. Have we picked up Humanae Vitae? Have you ever read that document before? If you haven't, I was like amazed at like, it blew me away. And then to realize that when I'm reading it for the first time, that everything that the Pope predicted, Pope Paul VI back in the 1960s about what our future society and culture will look like he nailed it he got it all right it's It's frightening it's like very accurate (laughs) it is it's actually you're right melanie it's frightening it's like whoa how did you know we know how he knew he's guided by the holy spirit but he knew how you know and that's where we are so to just as you're saying andrew to just i don't know to just discount all of this or or think that there isn't another way there's totally another way. Yeah, I, I think when I was so open to it, honestly, and maybe this resonates with people, is I fell in love with Trish when we were 15 years old. We had an absolutely horrendous relationship for 10 years. Um, very worldly. And everything that goes along with a worldly relationship, we did, and and it was a disaster, which I'm completely vulnerable and open to speaking about, and I do so often, schools, other places, whatever, church, you name it. Um What I wanted to know when we finally got engaged and we were going to get married is I wanted to know, is there another way? I've been doing it the world's way for the last 10 years, and I am like, this isn't – yeah, I am broken, and I can see it in her eyes. She's broken too. We've broken each other. Like, isn't there another way? And because at that point, 50% of marriages end up in a divorce. Mm -hmm. Two thirds to three quarters of marriages where you've cohabitated before marriages end up in divorce. If you're post abortive, 
ratchet that percentage up even higher. If you've had multiple sexual partners, ratchet up even higher. Trish and I are walking onto the altar. Physically, we looked fine. We tell the married couples when we're teaching marriage prep. Spiritually, my goodness, we were like hobbling onto the altar. There was probably a 90% chance that we were going to wind up divorced. And I would say for a lot of young people out there, the ones that you're describing that you cater to, that's what their future looks like. So I said, isn't there another way? And I think I think that's why I was open to that other way, mm-hmm. which is church teaching on a lot of this, like myself, human dignity, human sexuality, how I'm supposed to view the other What do we think about contraceptives? What do we think about sexual partners? What do we think about renewed virginity? What do we think about abortion? What do we think about all human life? Like, I think that's what made me. You ladies are just striking so many chords with me as you're Mm -hmm. talking. I mean, it's, can I ask you to share, Melanie, if it's okay? Um, You had a really, really um, powerful situation um, that just happened with a young woman just a few weeks ago that you shared with all of us. Would you mind sharing that? With the abortion pill? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I am... um, an abortion pill reversal provider, meaning um, when someone takes the first, typically it's the first abortion pill, which is one of two, um, they, a lot of women, I'm not sure of the number or percentage, but um, feel regret. So they, you know, um, there's a hotline called uh, Through Heartbeat International, um, abortionpillreversal.com. Um, anyway, so they connect a woman when she reaches out to them with a provider in the area who will um, help them through the reversal process, which is really just providing a lot of extra progesterone because that first pill they took blocks progesterone, which is necessary for the pregnancy to grow. So I saw a woman who um, she came one day and she was um, very early in the pregnancy, but she needed me to do an ultrasound because she was unsure who the father was and the dating of my ultrasound was going to help her know. And she had had, she has three children. She had one abortion the year before, which she told me she never wanted to go through again. Um, But now here she was considering it because of these circumstances. And so we did the ultrasound the first day and there wasn't really on the ultrasound a lot that I could, I couldn't see a heartbeat yet. It was just too early. Um, so I told her to come back, which she didn't. I'm trying to make sure I say this right. So she she had an appointment scheduled to come back so we could confirm the pregnancy, you know, that it was viable, that we could see a heartbeat. And um, she didn't show up for her appointment, which made me nervous. And so I called her. She didn't answer, left her a message. So the next day... I see her name pop up on my schedule. So then she called and scheduled the ultrasound, and I was glad because I thought, oh, okay, good. She she's she just couldn't make it yesterday. So she came in. We did the ultrasound. She tells me everything's fine. She was there with um, who I think was the father of the baby, and we saw a baby measuring around seven weeks um, with a good heartbeat, and, you know, I gave her – paperwork and she left and we thought I thought everything was good and about an hour later I get a text message from the abortion pill reversal line asking me if I can help someone in the area so I say yes they send me the information and I realize this is the exact same girl who literally just left I thought at first I thought she left and took the abortion pill and then now is regretting it already But really, um, then I looked closer and realized, okay, she took the abortion pill yesterday when she was supposed to be at 
my appointment. Instead, she went somewhere else to have an abortion and um, had an ultrasound there. Anyway, so I get the information. I I knew it was going to be kind of awkward because she didn't tell me that she had taken the abortion pill. So um, I call her and say, you know, so-and-so, this is Melanie. I just saw you an hour ago. Now I'm calling you to um, help you through this process. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's you. And um, we just didn't speak about that anymore, you know, just move on. And so she proceeds to tell me that, the day before when she was supposed to have her appointment with me, she instead went to um, one of the women's centers and they did an ultrasound and said she was around five weeks and that they didn't see a heartbeat, which really ra- made me raise my brows a bit because in one day to go from seeing nothing that measures five weeks without a heartbeat to seeing something seven weeks with a really strong heartbeat within 24 hours does not make sense. Um, so she told me she had the ultrasound. They said there was no heartbeat yet. So this is early, um, or even like a pregnancy that's failing, so to speak, you know, not developing correctly, um, which frustrates me on another level, because if that was going to be a miscarriage, then why put her through the emotional trauma of knowing that she ended it with an abortion when it would have happened naturally? But that wasn't the case either because we saw the seven-week baby with a heartbeat. So she became very upset when she left my ultrasound, which I didn't even know, because she thought, how in the world, why did I take that abortion pill when I – how yesterday could I have had no heartbeat and have a five-week pregnancy and now today? um, So there was obviously something suspicious going on um, with the ultrasound she had had the day before. So we started the process of her, um, and she came, let's see that, I'm just trying to put the days together. She came back a couple days later because she was having some spotting, still saw a good heartbeat, everything looked good, um, and then she started having some more bleeding over the weekend, and she was texting me this whole time. So when they do the, the abortion pill reversal, they'll have, you know... They can text me at any time to kind of tell me what's going on if they have questions. And then she um, came in after the weekend, and the baby didn't have a heartbeat that day, which was awful, Um, you know, for her and all of us who were kind of walking with her through that process. But um, the most upsetting part of that was that I think she decided to take the abortion pill because she thought there was— this was very early. There was no heartbeat when in reality, you know, the day before, I mean, like medically speaking, you could not have had that change in 24 hours. I mean, you just know that when you're doing those ultrasounds every day, like there's a progression and it's not not from that to that. Um, and so she was very upset about that. Um, and she said it was an awful experience while she was there, which just which I've heard um, a lot. But it just makes you think like why did you go through with that then? Like, you know, you're there and you're feeling like this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. This person's like making me feel uncomfortable. And, um, but she just felt like she was in a desperate spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember 
We were praying for her and for the baby after you told me, Melanie, as a, you know, as a yeah. family, we were praying. And then there was a, a feeling of a letdown when you told me, you know, and you can see it like when I shared that, even with the kids, you can see it on their faces. They're little yeah. and our own children get it. And um, so, we, you know, we pray a divine mercy chaplet or something. But um, if you're if you're a young woman or um, or a young man with a lady in this situation, a friend, girlfriend, um, whatever. I hope that you can hear the clear difference between going to one of these quote unquote women's centers mm-hmm. versus going to a place like Amnion crisis pregnancy medical center. medical center. <laughs> thank you, ladies, um, where you actually have a nurse practitioner like Melanie Winter or a counselor like Melanie Becker who genuinely care for you and want to see you know and are going to be honest and truthful with you i mean these these some of these other centers are just flat out lying to women about about their pregnancy it's like you hear that that happens but the reality of it in that like real life situation that's in front of us like i just i still couldn't believe it you know like somebody else who we Mm -hmm. work with said you know like I don't know why I'm surprised because of the world we live in, mm-hmm. but like I still am. And it's just. It darkens so people's dishonest. hearts so much. This whole culture of death does. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising. Yeah, I mean, and almost they, anything. They were going to make money off that. I mean, mm-hmm. her getting that. Well, abortion. they did. I know. It's so Reminds me of um, the. Mm-hmm. We had a great episode with Mark Houck, who's the gentleman who the FBI came to his house because he was um, pro. Uh, he was. Uh, protesting outside the 12th and Locust facility. And in the beginning of the, we were talking about it and I was, my thought on when I heard the story was it makes perfect sense because if you have a society and a group of people that are willing to kill babies wholesale, essentially, then you don't really have a civilization. You don't have the rule of law because you're not protecting an entire class of your citizenry. You're not protecting their basic right to be alive. So all you have is the rule of the jungle. You know, you've, you've so corrupted the society that it's like, well, whatever. They're going to put you in jail if they want to put you in jail. They're going to they're going to they're going to lie to you if they're going to lie. Like it's all a lie in a certain way, because we have to tell. Think of the lies that we have to tell ourselves to convince ourselves that it's not human in the uh, that it's not a human baby in the womb. I mean, the dancing that you have to do, the the euphemisms on the death side of this equation, it's choice. What do you mean choice? What are you talking about choice? That's just a euphemism. Even abortion is a euphemism, actually. What are you aborting? Are you aborting a mission to to Mars? What are you aborting, actually? It's killing. You're killing. You're, You're intervening in a way that ends life, ends a process called human life that started at conception. That's what you're doing. And you have to play all kinds of strange games in order to not see that. And once you're willing to play those games, why wouldn't, you know, like once, what's, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to like slap, basically what you're doing then is you're slathering on this ideology on top. You talk yourself. You have, yeah, you you have this ideology. And and this is when I, when I see these people and I, when I, when I do the, the work outside at the clinics and I see the anger, I I always in my mind, I'm saying to myself, it's because they know what they're doing is wrong. They don't want to know that it's wrong. They wish they could believe that it wasn't wrong. They wish they could not know the truth. But there's a part of us all that knows the truth. 
that knows what it is. It's just basic reasoning. And, and, um, and it's so, and so if you ignore that part, then lies, you're starting out with a lie, the whole society then. So then why not, why not further lies? Why not create laws that are just basically like, yeah, okay, sure. There's a law, whatever, come take me away, whatever you want, because it's not real. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a serious civilization if you're killing the most innocent. And if they're, if you're, if parents are killing their own children for some pagan sex God, this jealous pagan set. And we look back at the Aztecs like, oh, they were like so stupid. They were killing their babies. They had human sacrifice. It's like, oh, really? Okay, we're a little more slick about it. Yeah. Like we call it planned parenthood and we do it behind a nice building and there's probably nice road. Like, this app there's probably, on my phone. Right, it's like whatever. Tinder. Like we, we have a, we have a, we have a yeah. pill to do it. <laughs> so we have, we, we, we've, we've, we've dressed it up and all, we're a little yeah. more sophisticated. We don't, we don't go out and like bang a drum about it or, or now they do, but like, it, you know. So, okay, well, you know, we're different. No, actually it's the same thing. You have, you're praying to the God of the human orgasm. And that God requires a certain amount of sacrifice, 3,000 to be exact on a daily basis. And that's the God. That's what we pray to. And that God is a jealous God and requires human sacrifice. And that's what we're engaged in. It's a Gnostic death cult, essentially. Sorry, that's my little rant for the day. Yeah, well said. It was the truth. We... I love it. It's so important for us to bring truth to light. Do you have any other, like, powerful... Well, I'm sure you have them daily and weekly. Do you have any other ones that stick out like that, you know, um, good, powerful stories? There's many. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. One thing, and not necessarily a story, but one thing still on topic of what we're talking about with God, and um, there are believers that will have abortions. They will think they never... They'll never do it. They'll come and they'll say, I never thought I would do this. I'm not mm-hmm. for this. I don't agree with it. But, but. <laughs> and you know what the number one thing they say? God will forgive me. Mm-hmm. That is the most heart-wrenching statement that I think I've ever heard a client say to me. Because it's how much are you lying to yourself to tell yourself that that's okay? To say, God will forgive me, that you know you're sinning. You're admitting to yourself this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. And it's not but, like a little sin. Yeah. Right. right. Killing your own it's child. It's not like saying, oh, I love that uh, dress on you. It really brings, <laughs> you know, it is deep. You're murdering some, a baby, when, a gift that was from God. And now you're rejecting that gift. But that's okay. If I get, I'm not returning it, well, basically you are returning it, I guess, because the baby is going to go back to heaven. So, but God's going to be like, it's okay. Yeah, it's that there are people who have said that. And the other thing that really blows my mind is like people who will say, like, I can't let I'm like a leader of a ministry in church. Mm -hmm. I can't let anyone know about this. Like it really. You have that happen also. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that. We actually have a a program with life discipleships, and it is to educate members of a church that could kind of be what we are like a liaison within the church because you the thing is you never know who you're sitting to sitting next to in that pew you don't know what's going through their mind you, we all say oh i would never i would never but when you find yourself in that situation life could change yeah. in the instant and people in church don't feel like they have anyone to go to to even right. discuss that concern or you know the like confusion that happens when you judged. have an unplanned pregnancy because yeah they're afraid of being 
judged. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the. So I mean, it's so it's ultimately judgment. the demon. We were talking about this earlier with mm-hmm. the with the sisters as well. That this, the, it's the demonic because the one thing that the devil hates the most mm-hmm. is human incarnation. Mm-hmm. Is the is, is yeah. allowing that life to grow? Mm-hmm. Is human life? That's his number one thing. And what is he's the father of lies? So the the beginning and the end of this culture of death is a lie. The lie that it's sexual liberation to go out and at 17 years old have 10 different partners in the last six months and that's like a way to flourish as a human being all the way to, yeah, and oh, if that's the case, like how many sexually transmitted diseases did you not knowingly expose yourself to? Because as you said, they're probably, you're probably involving yourself with people that are also doing the same mm-hmm. thing and now you're starting to geometrically expose yourself to just about everything that's out there. Number one. Number two, then... Um, yeah, the, the the lie then the lies that we have to tell about the obvious humanity of the children is is that's the that's so dark. It's it's un, I mean it's just it's so dark to to contemplate that you what we have to avert our eyes from that we know like all of a sudden so so like one couple gets a the the ultrasound picture. Mm-hmm. There's two couples and one wants the baby and therefore it's and then you say to them here's your picture of your baby. And it's obviously a baby. And the other one, you're like, oh, well, you don't want it, so I'll, I'll like, make up this weird name. I'll call it, like, a fetus. A or fetus, I'll call it a fetus. Here's your fetus, you know, or whatever. Your clump of cells. Right, here's your clump of cells, right? It's just so obvious. Waving non- Right, like, mm-hmm. right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just Literally. obvious, the obvious nonsense of it is un- is really is really profound and, and dark. What's really twisted, and I have a hard time with, is how much I've actually had to defend Young couples that do wait to marriage, or it's called they are dating to marry, and how that people do not think that that could ever exist. And oh, they're lying to you. Oh, they're having sex. Oh, they're doing this. No, they're really not. Because it's unbelievable. Right. In this day and age, that's the mentality that can't, you just can't. You can't possibly wait to marry. It's like not a thing. It does seem so out. It seems so crazy to do that. No. What percentage of young people do you think come in that that are actually still, oh my god, still waiting or it to us? Unfortunately, none. If none. come none. to them, no. they wouldn't be coming for Thank STD you. treatments. I could say one. one, one, and I remember recently this. It was so sweet. I mean, this girl, she just didn't know where else to go, and she's like. You know, all I can do is STD testing or pregnancy testing and ultrasounds. But and she's like. Yeah, you haven't had any partners, but like she was having a problem, a GYN issue that wasn't related to any of those things. And she just didn't know where to go. And I was like, it was so foreign to me in this role, obviously, that but I was like finding myself in disbelief, like nothing, not no one like and and Mm -hmm. she's just like, no. And I was like, you're my hero. Like, please (laughs) stay the course. Like she was. Yeah. You hear that young man? Yeah. Were you able to refer her out? Yeah. 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 So if you're listening to this and you hear this, hopefully this is more of a lesson of the of the of the other side of like the the results of all of this craziness. Mm -hmm. I mean, the results are suffering and misery and fear and loneliness and craziness. And Mm -hmm. it's it's um, it's not it's not a good look, young men. It's not a good look. Wait. And if you want to be with a woman, become the kind of man that marries her. It is okay to wait. Yeah. It is cool. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Wait. And I'm not saying, look, and as Pete said, I'm not, I'm someone who didn't. For, right. And like, so I, I, you know, so I'm, I'm of, I'm not 
I'm the first among sinners on it. So, but and it was, it, it caused me just as much misery as you're talking about, oh, if yeah, not if more, hear the... just the darkness. Yeah. That's why we do this show. We do this show because we're repentant sinners. We're not like, oh, we're like white as snow and we're like not out there all. pitching this stuff. Zero judgment. I, right. Here exactly. From, uh, from right. Right. But right. Um, if you want to hear someone who's probably best at this, I love listening to him myself, Jason Evert and his wife mm-hmm. teach, you know, they yeah. run the chastity project and they have statistics galore and bad stories and wonderful stories and, and all that. But he's just um, he really, really shed some light on this entire topic. And, you know, for for everyone, um, you know, it's interesting what you were just saying about. I don't think most people realize that that someone who mm-hmm. who has God in their life is coming to you and they mm-hmm. want to get out of this situation and they're feeling shame and guilt and mm-hmm. that they need to um I've, it's that's they want to hide it some of them want to hide it from their church mm-hmm. because they could never let their church know which is understandable to sex. a degree because churches aren't the most right can you imagine forgiving place mm. unfortunately so if you are um, that person, I would say, in addition to going to Amnion, um, crisis pregnancy, you m- are more than welcome to go there and see the Melanies. Um, mm-hmm. But you also can contact the Sisters of Life because the Sisters of Life we're friends <laughs> <laughs> are going to love you. Um, you can contact them at 267 831 3100. 267 831 3100 because they are Catholic sisters and they are not going to make you feel any shame or guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the opposite of what we believe. Jesus didn't go to the cross to condemn us mm-hmm. or to judge us. He went to the cross to save us from our sin. But if you look mm-hmm. a little bit deeper into this, um, that's why they've tried to erase sin in general from our culture. It doesn't exist. Exactly. Sin doesn't mm-hmm. exist. So then... Therefore, there's no repercussions. We can do whatever we want. And we're back to the age of acceptance. Yeah, exactly. and how's that working out? Yeah, so it's like this right. nasty just circle that place. just keeps going around and around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you don't get off of the of the hamster wheel mm-hmm. of just, it's awful. And Until the fact breaks. that young people are being caught in this and not even realizing that they're caught in it is really disturbing. At least we have enough age or whatever life experience, wisdom, you know, on our side to at least see but young people, they don't see it yet if they're, you know, they're on that. It's really a shame. And, you know, you were talking about that before, Melanie, and it made me think about if you – this is – I don't know the exact name for it. One of our priests could clarify um, for us. But the sin – there's a name for the type of sin when you know you're going to sin. Right, yeah. And then – and you say, like, God will forgive me. Yeah. You, like more, you go into the sin with that attitude. Yes, and it is so much graver and so much deeper of a sin, sin, way deeper than that. Thank you, Melanie. There are venial sins, mm-hmm. and venial sins would mm-hmm. be, you know, your less serious sins, and they mm-hmm. could be absolved during, you know, a general confession even, you know, yeah. beginning of Mass, that type of thing. Uh, for In order for a sin to be a grave sin, it needs three components. It has to be a serious matter. A grave matter. Mm-hmm. You need um, 
full knowledge of that sin because if you weren't aware that it was a sin, you can't be penalized or punished for it. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. you have to have full consent of the will for it to be a grave sin. Mm -hmm. These are the sins that in the true teaching of our church, as you were saying before, what we're actually most attracted to now, Andrew, is the true teaching, (laughs) you know, not this this superficial or, you know, plastic version of, you know, our church. Mm -hmm. Grave matter, full knowledge, full consent, I do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And that is what would cause the need for confession. When we confess our sins, Jesus came to forgive us, and we're now now clean again. We're asked to not just confess the sin, but to repent, to turn our back away, you know, away from the sin and not to commit that sin anymore. Now we can receive the Eucharist. We're back in communion with God. This is all the beauty of our Catholic Mm -hmm. Church teaching. This is the treasure in our Church teaching. But the the deepest of all is what you just described mm-hmm. when we actually decide in advance that we're going to do it. And we know it's wrong against yeah. God. Yeah, and, and we're actually expecting him to forgive this. So I'm doing it anyway because I know I can just go to confession afterward How? and hold for twisted it. Oh. But the easiest way to get people to do this is to erase it altogether. Mm-hmm. Because if there is no sacrament needed or if there is no such thing as sin even, mm-hmm. then now it doesn't matter. It's right. that loving God will just forgive me no matter what. And I can do whatever I want on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because come Monday he's going to forgive it anyway. And mm-hmm. You know, I do have a good story. Well, it's kind of good in in that realm. The It was an abortion pill reversal client, and she, um, she the baby actually didn't survive. But... It was these this two kids. I mean, she was like nineteen, and he they were the same age. But he and he came for the ultrasound, and he was like this big, like teddy bear guy. And and when we realized there was no heartbeat, I mean, he was sobbing. He was so broken, and he had to leave the room. He went out in the waiting room. He was just like, he was way more emotional than she was. And then I. I thought the next day, you know, I did everything we do, like offer to pray, all that. Um, And I had looked back and I saw she was Catholic. So I called her and said, um, you know, I think it would be good if you went to confession. Like this, it just hit me after um, she had left. And she said, I did this morning and my boyfriend went too. And I was so, like, I felt so good about just like it was really in that situation it was different because um she didn't go into it thinking god's gonna forgive me she went through the process and realized i made a big mistake and i need god's forgiveness and grace and she um and it was just like you know it was sad because i think well a huge lesson was learned um and the baby did not survive but um for the two of them and being young and realizing that that's the next thing they needed to do, I was just so happy. God bless them. Yeah, I can imagine, Melanie. And so if you're someone who's listening who has helped someone have an abortion or if you've had an abortion, that is the answer. The answer is for us to go mm-hmm. and confess that sin and to get right um, with God, um, to allow him to get in there and heal that, and then hopefully to... Um, to make that 180, you know, and to yeah. like, I would hope for them after going through that horrible experience that now 
maybe, I mean, not maybe, God will, can and will use that. Yeah, um, and she, they were, ki- ki- you know, I want to say kids because they're so young, but they knew. She, most people I find, when they know as soon as they swallow that pill, big mistake, like they realize it. And that's when people call that hotline, it's always, not always, it's almost always within hours of taking the first pill. And my understanding, Melanie, is that if you've taken that first abortion pill, and we catch it within 24 hours or 48 hours? 72 is the real, like, but 24 is the best outcome. And I heard you say a percentage once of the likelihood that it can be... 64 to 68%. As long as you catch it within 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it go both ways, though, so... Yes, but 64 to 68% success if yeah. it's caught within 24 hours. Lady, if if you if you were given the wrong advice or if you made that mistake and... You need to, you know, to to ch- change that. You can call. Do you know the phone number to call for the abortion pill reversal hotline? Not off the top of my head, but if you just Google abortionpillreversal.com, it comes up. Perfect. Abortionpillreversal.com. You Google that. But, and Yeah, go ahead, ladies. I was just going to say we had someone who came. She had taken both abortion pills, had some bleeding, and then followed up at Planned Parenthood. 13-week baby alive and kicking in there. Heartbeat looked great. Abortion pills, both of them did not work. And they wanted, they offered her a surgical abortion right there. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, I can't do that right now. And she said they kind of were, and I mean, this is her. This is not me saying this. She said they were kind of like pushing. She felt she had to make an appointment to come back to satisfy them or whatever. Like she felt she couldn't just leave. And so she made an appointment to follow up with them, but um, she came to Amnion, and again, we did the ultrasound, Mm -hmm. saw the baby, doing great, and um, she had taken both pills. When you take the second pill, there's an increased risk for birth defects, 4% increase, Um, and so she continued that pregnancy, and she was worried about the birth defect issue. But last month, she brought the baby to Amnion to let us meet him. And he was, I mean, I'm like, yep. if there's she man, actually a let fighter. Us her story. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. What a that blessing. Was a that's a great story. Yeah, what yeah. a blessing. It's, just, it's so interesting. Some people take that first pill and the baby doesn't survive. She took both pills and that baby... Yeah, and I told her, I said, there was a point God wanted this baby in this world, and he wasn't going to let anything. It's almost like the primacy of life. Like, you take Mm -hmm. that pill, and it's death, and then you almost, like, choke it up. You're like, no, 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 I don't want that. Yes, exactly. Like, life is is primary. Like, the truth is primary. A lie is a corruption of the truth. You can have, you can tell the truth with that. Truth is primary. Light is primary. Life is primary. And Jesus came to defeat death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, I held that baby for like 15 minutes. Mm. Oh, I bet. Loving him up. Must have been amazing. <laughs> we had well, a mom last, it was just last week, came in. Uh, she was a walk in and she came in and she, she needed a pregnancy test and an ultrasound, right? We're pregnant with her second baby. And I, I don't know what I was doing. I was somewhere in the center and I hear her go, Backer. And she goes, This client wants to see you. Do you remember her? And here it was a client from last year that her 
boyfriend actually reached out to us asking for help because she was pregnant and wanted to have an abortion and he didn't obviously want her to and he didn't know what to do I did get her well she came in one time and then she like fell off we never saw her again and that just goes to prove like you assume she, she you don't sadly must happened. have had, a, had an abortion right but here, a year later, she comes running down the ramp, pushing a stroller with a little baby, baby in it, mm-hmm. and she's pregnant. And I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah because you just show, what you're doing see, every day, you see what is inside ass- of you. You hold the baby. See, this is what it was, all inside yeah. and out. This yeah. is what it was. Yes. And you probably like, assume it? the worst all the time because of what you see on a daily basis. If <laughs> yeah. someone doesn't come for an appointment, a no show. That reminds me of a um, Trent oh. Horn has this. Um, I, keep, I could talk for four hours. He has this. Uh, <laughs> Us th- too, Melanie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why we're here still. Um, this this um, Trent Horn has this apologetic. I think it was Trent Horn, Chris Kazor. He says, "Okay, imagine that you're standing. You have a child. I don't know, a young child, four or five, whatever." And you're washing the dishes and your child comes up behind you and says, Daddy, I, I have it. Can I kill it? And what's the first thing? You can't turn around. What's the first thing you're going to say or ask that child? And the answer is, what, what is, is it? it? Mm-hmm. What is it? Right? What is it? What was it inside mm-hmm. and out? What is it? What is its nature? Oh, it's a human being. No, you can't kill it. Sorry. Yeah. But, but, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but. No buts. Like, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, the Scott Klusendorf sled sled argument is one of the strongest, most powerful arguments, right? The sled, S L E D, the acronyms for it, mm-hmm. for that very reason, right? Yeah. What is size, it? location? Yeah, degree of development. Yeah, and uh, degree of uh, de- uh, development, and what is it? Degree of dependence. Mm. Yeah. And environment, correct? Oh, environment, right? Yeah. Right, where it is. Yeah, where is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, location would be. It's, um, we have to wrap up soon, but I want to ask both of you a very, very critical question, if that's okay. Yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. This one's important. This is the Men for Life podcast. So um, the thought there was that we want men, we want to grow up a, a culture of men right now, and we want them to be more virtuous toward women. Um, we want them to defend life. So that's the goal behind all of this. And so we would ask you ladies um, that if you could um, just, you know, tell us how can what can men do right now where they can either be, you know, better defenders of life or more virtuous. I mean, you literally are smack dab in the middle on the front line of this um, with with women and unplanned or, you know, unexpected crisis pregnancies. So. Um, so what can men do to be more virtuous towards women mm-hmm. and to defend life better? Speak up, to share it, to not be afraid, not to think that they don't have a voice because they're told they don't. They, they're told that it's her body, her choice. To tell whoever, tell your friends to be there for her. If you do find yourself um, where you're significant other and you have an unplanned pregnancy, stand by her. Walk through it with her. Don't leave her and just be there because that is your child that's what i was gonna say fight for your kid i mean like you know it's hard because it's there's different men that we could be talking to like men like you who are pro-life like you're doing what you're doing but like these men who have not had any man in their life to be a role model it's hard for them to even imagine what 
a man is supposed to be. But I feel like we've had women come who want an abortion and their boyfriend doesn't. For one thing, they sometimes don't tell him even that they're pregnant and then they'll go have an abortion without him even knowing. That's across the board. And then also, um, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Men telling them, like you said, oh, it's up to you. Whatever you decide, I'll be okay with. That is makes me upset because I will talk to so many women and I'll ask them, what does he say? And they say, he said, like, it's up to me, whatever I want to do. Well, so then I started to say, well, how do you feel about that? Like, it would probably be good for you to have his input, wouldn't it? Um, yes, most of the, almost all of them agree because they're making the decision then completely on their own. And I think there's evidence showing that the biggest factor in their decision making is what their partner is saying. So if they would just fight for their kid, you know, like, yes, I actually do want you to have that baby. <laughs> like, and I will be responsible and take, you know, help you take care of this child. No, not every man's going to be willing to say that. But I think a lot of them want to say that, but they're afraid to because of the whole, like, it's your body. You're going to mm-hmm. yeah. have to do what, you know, yeah, we're training whatever them. you have to do. We're training them that the response when this does happen is that you aren't a, a, a yep. part of this because yeah. it's her, her, yeah. her, right? Yeah. yeah. And if she decides to keep the baby, then we most certainly expect you to pay child support. Mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, even if you're not in the picture anymore. Right. right. And you... As opposed to, can we actually create a family right now? Right. You know, or like around this little one, please. You know, could we come together and under God? Right. Yeah. So, right. So, the deal for the men then would be okay. Mm-hmm. If she wants, if she doesn't want to have the child, she can kill your child, mm-hmm. and you're fine. You have to be fine with that. But if she does want to have the child, and mm-hmm. then you have to pay for yeah. it. So that's and these guys are looking at you like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. Yeah, at that point, it's yeah. no wonder why they're saying nothing or saying just right. kill yeah, it because they've got multiple yeah, kids now I've a got... lot of times too. Yeah, we're not talking about the positive conclusion here. We're talking about all these. This is like a no-win game mm-hmm. here, and so we're not talking about the positive conclusion. Yep. And the sisters brought up the very same thing this morning, and they said, in the deepest place in the woman's heart, what they're actually looking for mm-hmm. is they're looking for the man at that very moment to swoop them off of their feet and tell them, I love you. I wasn't okay. just laying down yeah. with you. I love you. And we're going to do this. Yes, you're precious. Mm-hmm. You can do this. I know that you're afraid. You can do this. I'm here with you. We're going to do this together, and it's all going to be fine. That's what they're looking for from the man. Mm-hmm. Amen. But they've never had that. Pretty yeah. much. So men, do you hear that? Do that. Be that man. And if you're afraid, men, we understand. You don't have to have all of the answers right now. Um, yeah. It's okay, but you're just like she's strong enough. You're strong enough to do this also. Amen. Trust me. Amen. I went from no children to seven children. God takes care of all of it. It's all, <laughs> and I didn't think I could do it either, but you know what? And a podcast yeah. or three. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So anyway, thank you guys so much for coming in and talking and sharing with us your experience on the front lines of this culture of death. And um, and hopefully that, you know, from anybody who listened, they learned something about what it is that's happening. That it's not just consequence free, this this activity that everybody's involved in, that really not only are people dying, but people are getting hurt 
the ones that are still that are that aren't being killed or being hurt. Yeah. And so, Pete, maybe you could end this in a prayer, and um, we'll uh, we'll land this ship. Absolutely. Um, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give, Give us, us this day our daily bread and, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And, and lead us not into temptation, but, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. St. Gianna Mola, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And for life, signing off. <laughs>